Welcome to Word of Truth Podcast. Our mission is to shine the light of biblical truth on the questions of life. Hosted by Stephen Brown and Stone Anderson. Enjoy the show. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. Yeah, yeah. Sanctify them through thy truth. Our third episode of Word versus World. I'm your host, Stephen Brown, and I'm with my faithful co-host, Stone Anderson. How's it going? Tonight, we have another one that is interesting. We're going to talk about self-defense, probably even talk a little bit about prepping, uh, maybe get into, if we have the time, what it will be like for a Christian during the days of the tribulation. Um, but something you've been talking to me about a lot lately, we're both kind of gun enthusiasts and and anyone who has ever gotten real serious about their faith and serious about the scriptures has questioned this self-defense issue at times, you know, because there's certainly some, some fine lines there. However, the lines are clear, and we want to talk about that. What, what is it, Stone, that has got you the most interested in this question of self-defense? Kind of, where's your mind been about it? Well, I mean, to start, me being a gun enthusiast... I mean, I carry one all the time. Well, when you carry a gun, it kind of brings up the question, God forbid I ever have to, but if I have to use a gun, is that morally right? If I ever had to kill somebody in the, in the act of self-defense. So it kind of just having the gun on you kind of brings that question up quite often. Yeah, you know, you buy it hoping you'll never use it. Never have to use it in that way. I mean, obviously, you, you want to play, you know, not play, but you want to shoot targets and all that kind of stuff, maybe hunt. But, yeah, you hope you never even are faced with an issue of self-defense, whether it's, you know, I carry a knife pretty much everywhere I go. And if I had a concealed carry permit and a pistol, I probably would carry a pistol with me, but I don't. Well, Stone, you know because you've come face-to-face with opposition already, uh... There's sort of a whole group of people out there that think it would be wrong if you took a man's life while preserving your own in an act of self-defense. I don't know maybe what I don't want to frame that the wrong way, but in a in a in a self-defense situation there are people that believe that that would be wrong. Now, what is your What's your gut feeling on that? I just, it's almost a trickier, it's kind of tricky in a way. I think there are certain circumstances where it's not wrong at all. And yes, if there's a threat, you need to protect yourself, it's okay. But I also think in certain circumstances, sometimes the better option is to put the weapon down. For instance, if someone's persecuting you for Christ, even if it's going to take your life, I don't think we have... That we are not, we're not supposed to as Christians to fight back. Sometimes it's better to just lay it down and say, if it's the Lord's will for me to die a martyr, that's what's going to happen. 
Man, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. Honestly, I, I you know I didn't really do much preparing myself for this show because this is one that has been sort of on your heart. But yeah, there are different situations of self-defense that I've never even really thought about that aspect of self-defense. That you're kind of right. I mean, when you're when you're maybe going before a firing squad unjustly being falsely accused and haven't really done any wrong but it's because of a faith that you hold to would it what would the right situation be there you know maybe you had a concealed pistol that they didn't know you had personally i think it would be to just pretend like you don't have it and and trust the lord to let him deliver you if that's what it comes to yeah i think you're right when you're being when that is the situation where your life is literally uh, threatened, any second they're going to put you down or, you know, drop the thing and hang you or whatever um, because of what you believe, I think you're right, Stone. In that situation, you, you're kind of going to go out with the peace of God and go out with prayer and, that, and, and, and hoping that maybe just kind of like what happened with Stephen in Acts chapter 7 when Paul uh, saw Stephen being stoned, martyred, the first martyr in the New Testament for something that he wasn't guilty of. It, I'm sure, well, I mean, there was a lot that played into it, but the next chapter is where we read about the conversion of Paul. And the, the, the clothing of Stephen had been laid at the feet of Paul. And Stephen, as they're stoning him, says, Father, forgive them and lay not this sin to their charge. And so, yeah. He, and but, but what I'm getting at is him going out that way was way more powerful, uh, a way more powerful effect. Then he could have drew a knife and fought <laughs> yeah, back, yeah. Yeah, he could have possibly fought back and escaped. And and that, I, but even if he'd have fought back and they still killed him, the ones that it maybe pricked their heart, they would still, they, it would make them feel justified more yes. for killing him. Yeah. There would be no like prick in their conscience because, well, now we're fighting, now they're fighting in self defense in a way. Yeah, so I guess. You know, this this kind of makes me think. Well, how how would we sort of divide out what kind what kind of situation is is it better to just you know not resist in any way? And what kind of situation is it better to to totally defend yourself? I want to mention this, and then and then you can talk about it. I think maybe the way to look at it is why is your life in danger? Like, why is it that they're doing this to you? Okay, well, we have a... Uh, open up the... Do you have your Bible verses that we was going to talk about on the phone? Yeah. Because I think one of those Bible verses is going to come into play here. Which so, one? Do you remember which one it was? Um, well, what if somebody breaks into my house and in the middle of the night, and I don't really know what they're there for? Yeah, Exodus 22, verse 2 and 3. Yeah, you care to read that? If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no bloodshed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be no there shall be bloodshed for him. For he should make full restitution if he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. So right there to me, you know, I've read that before uh several times and when you kind of study it, I know when you if, if if someone out there watching this video has never read it, never studied it, doesn't really understand what it's saying. Uh, in 
Exodus chapter 20 is where God had come down, given the two tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, to Moses on Mount Sinai. And they had read those commands before the people and all this kind of stuff. Well, then in Exodus chapter 21 and 22 and 23 is what's called the statutes and the judgments. And it's basically an instruction to the people of Israel of how to apply those Ten Commandments. That's actually what's going on there. So you get the Ten Commandments. But then, of course, there's going to be immediate questions in everyone, everyone's mind. Because, you know, well, God never said, you know, uh, what do we do about the person who takes a baseball bat to my mailbox, right? He didn't, he, didn't, what, he didn't say nothing about those stinking mailbox vandals out there. What do we do about them? Well, he did, because the Ten Commandments cover a category, a sort of a tree of, of types of sin. And so the statutes and the judgments, judgments comes into play in chapters 21 22. To me, all I'm getting at is that sounds to me like, well, it doesn't just sound to me. The truth is, this is what that is saying. That if I break into your house in the middle of the night and I'm stealing, you can take my life. And God says there will be no, basically no punishment on you for that. But that kind of, that also, once again, you kind of have to play the situation by ear and it depends kind of upon the heart of the, the person defending themselves. Yeah, I do believe that built into that, that statute or that judgment is an underlying concept that there's a threat to your life there. And I think that we can safely say in the text that that concept of a threat and feeling threatened, perhaps feeling fearful, feeling anxiety, feeling nervous, is because it says at night. Mm-hmm. Like it makes a distinction between night and day. Why would it make that distinction? Well, we know, you know. <laughs> We've talked about it before. Even a grown man walking through the woods at night, uh, his mind and his natural instincts is in a different mode. Than the, yeah, than in the daytime. Yeah. You, you just and, can't help be more of on high alert. Exactly. And so you, you, you have to ask yourself, well, why did the Bible say if he comes in and, and he you know you take his life at night, there will be no bloodshed? For him, you know, on your part, there's no punishment for you. And but sometimes, in the daytime, I mean, there is a difference there. And so, yeah. well, sometimes at night, I mean, not to mention, let's say somebody's breaking in the middle of the night, you're getting up half asleep, you're, you're just woke up, you're freaking out, you don't know what's going on. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, I, I know, I have known people. I'm not really this way, but I have known people. If you go in there and scare them awake, you better be ready to duck. Because they'll come, they'll come out like that right there. You know what I mean? They'll come up swinging. Yeah, I know people uh, like they that don't too. Even, they're, they're not even fully awake yet. But their sort of fight response, is, their instinct is so strong in that. I'm more like, you know, I'm groggy. Give me I a just minute. Jump. You know? I just jump and, until I figure out who it is. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I can't even say my name right at 3 o'clock in the morning. I have the hardest time actually getting my brain to wake up. So, you know, if you're a thief, you could probably get by with it here because I probably wouldn't even wake up, just to be honest. But nevertheless, there is, there's something there, so what you said is right. Even within a thieving scenario, there's still a judgment call to make, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, if the guy walks in or sneaks in and it's the middle of the night, but maybe you maybe you had already been up or maybe you woke up and you investigated and you just walk in and pop, pop, pop just for because you could get away with it that's not how it works that's not self-defense that is murder if you didn't feel threatened i mean and you just kind of was like well he's in my house i can 
Would you feel safe in saying self-defense is a last option, but it is an option? I mean, oh, sorry, it's the last sorry, not, option, although. That, that's, that's probably, uh, self-defense is obviously an option, but. The, it's the last the, resort. Right, like, well, what I mean is there's a lot of ways to, to defend yourself, too. You know, maybe you could, like, uh, if you feel like you're just completely physically superior to the person, just jack their jaws, knock them out, tie their legs up, you know, time to a tree or whatever. But taking someone's life in an act of self-defense. Is the absolute but, last resort, I do believe But that. it is. It, it is a resort. It is an option yes. there in, in the right situation. And I, I completely agree with you. Now, I want to take this to another level, though. Because as we grow, we either, you know, you, you end up getting married or maybe you have children or whatever. Um, at this point now, I think it would be irresponsible for any husband to not sort of react very aggressively perhaps violently to any threat he what i'm saying is like if it's just me and i'm out there in my cabin in the woods and somebody's going to break in i might have a little bit more time to sit there and very and kind of yeah examine the situation you know breathe deep here think really kind of figure out what's going on here is, is there really a threat to my life here is it even worth or me? maybe is there a way you think more of, is there a way I can stop the threat without killing the threat? Right, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm not married, I'm not even dating anyone, don't have any kids, but I know that if I did and I was in that same situation, it would, it, I feel like I would be a whole lot more just take out the threat right now because I got people depending on me. Yes, I mean, you know, the heart, what's the heart of that commandment? Well, first of all, we can't equate the word kill with the word murder. And I, and I tell you, I mean, I know that the, the King James Version, which I believe is the perfectly translated word of God, translates it as kill because the context of murder is in there. But the, the, the spirit of the commandment is an intentional taking of one's life with an, sort of a, a, an anger, a heart of anger or a heart of wrath or a heart of what's called emulations or strife or malice there has to be sort of motive there for it to be that sin if it's self-defense fear or reaction or whatever then it's not a sin you know and we even see exemptions in there like if you just accidentally killed a man accidental manslaughter like literally it says if an axe head comes off the handle it gives this as an example if an axe head comes free from the axe and hits the man across from you and you kill him. It, that's not sin. So it, there, we even see you killed that man. If we wanted to go by these other people's rules that say any form of taking... Well, let me ask you this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go with thou shalt not kill, kill in general, like that's, that's where you draw the line. God had people kill people as a punishment, like... For instance, we talk about yeah, like exactly. if a man lies with a man, he shall be put to death. So you got who's putting him to death? Another person that's killing. Right. That's, and, that okay. would be God, God uh, yes, contradicting yes. himself. Well, they would say, well, that's God doing it. That's sort of a person exercising the hand of God in this situation, and so it's okay. The point is this. If God said it's wrong to do it, then there, God himself cannot do it. And mm -hmm. so... If capital punishment, which is taking a person's life, if that is not wrong, 
Well, there's a wrong way to do it, right? Even the Bible tells us there's a wrong way to execute capital punishment, and there's a right way. But if taking a man's life through capital punishment is not wrong across the board, then that means that we have to look at that thou shalt not kill and realize, oh, that's not this in any circumstance, in any situation. Or God would literally have committed, he would have broken his own command because he commanded, you can't kill. Then he said, kill the evildoer, right? Wait, which one are you gonna? Yeah. Which one are you gonna take here? So, yes. it's more of a, I guess you could say, kind of a heart issue. Which, on the thou shalt not kill. There is a heart issue there. That's kind of what I'm saying. Now, man can't see the heart. God can see the heart, but there, there's exemptions right there within the own, you know, within the very book that the Ten Commandments come, there are exemptions that say, you know, if this thief comes in in the middle of the night and this, uh, this man takes his life and we know that the heart, the, the fear factor and all that is built in in the whole night and daytime scenario, it says that this man is not punished for this, this man has not sinned, well, that tells us then thou shalt not kill doesn't mean a universal across the board. It's never, ever, ever right. It means that, that there's a spirit, that the spirit of the murder, the wrath, the anger, all this kind of stuff, this premeditated motive type thing and and our our the law of our land understands that mm -hmm. that's why there are different levels of punishment for manslaughter even here you know if you are driving down the road and you have a wreck and you kill someone and there seems to be no it was just an accident there's no punishment to you if you're on your phone texting, mm -hmm. now there is punishment for you because you was being neglectful of that other person's well-being. And But even then, it's not as bad as if you just went and killed someone, you know? So even our, our, our the law of our land understands that. Now, what I was saying earlier, though, is... Would you, the, wouldn't you agree that sort of the, the heart, well, the Bible tells us that love is the fulfilling of the law. And so the purpose of the law is to protect life, that, that thou shalt not kill. So we can look at the family scenario, but what about the school shooter? If you don't take that man down that comes into the school. He's going to be killing a lot more people. You, I, yes. I think if you have the ability to take that man down. And you don't. And you don't. Then their blood is on your hands. And the same thing with your family if someone's. Exactly. That, yeah. That, uh, yeah. But I went to the school shooter thing for a sort of a real extreme to highlight this fundamental principle that's true there. If someone comes in and I do nothing to defend myself or my family, and maybe he leaves me alive and kills everybody else in my house and I do nothing about it, man, I, I, I'm worse, you know, than he is in my own mind. Or the school shooting thing, you know, which they would say, well, that's defending others. You know, so what I'm saying is, that's not self-defense. That's a different argument. That's defending others. But wait. You're still killing. Well, here, yeah, exactly. That's my point. I'm glad you picked up on it. So that's the circular reasoning. If it's okay for me to take him out before he kills that person, it's also okay for me to take him out before he kills me because mm -hmm. my life is just as valuable as theirs. And we agree because they're going to agree, oh, that's not murder. If you take that guy out to protect the life of those innocent children, that's not murder. Well, then it's not murder if I take him out to protect my own life either. Because, I mean, if you do have a family, they, they're, they're uh, 
counting on you to provide food for them, and he kills you, and now they're in trouble. It, yeah, and it is your job biblically. It's the role of the man to provide and protect his family. I mean, there's no doubt. There's not a man who's ever read the Bible that's going to debate that. It's his role to provide and protect. That's 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 sort of even present there in the underlying context of the Garden of Eden. Well, you know, there was a couple more verses. I want to. What did Jesus say about this? Because you know, people are always throwing this. Oh, well, Jesus said. Jesus said well, stuff. Jesus no. did say, if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and go buy one. What's? I want you to actually read that read verse that first because. There was other stuff in there, too, that helps kind of get the real, the, the, deep, the deeper meaning there, you know. So if you can pull that up for us. Do you remember where it was? I believe it was 2236. Yeah. Then said he unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell, let him sell his garments and buy one. But here's one thing. A guy one time told me, he said, sword, that could be the Bible. The Bible is called the sword, or the Bible is sometimes referred to as a sword. He may have just been saying, purchase the Bible. But here's the thing. You go down like two more verses, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he, So they were already carrying swords in his presence. Yeah, they carried swords. So that's kind of Yeah, like, Peter carried a sword as he walked right alongside Jesus. And Peter cut that dude's ear off. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't necessarily rebuke Peter for carrying a sword or even for acting that way. Jesus was just saying, no, Peter, this has to, I have to be I sold. Have to, this is yeah, not the time. I, yeah, I have, I'm going to end up being hung on this cross, and I, this is a path that I have to take. But it wasn't, oh, that's, you know, Peter was defending Jesus, and Jesus didn't say, it's wrong to defend me, Peter. No, that wasn't the point. No, he just said, this is not the yeah, time, it's basically. it's not the time. And then the other thing is, Jesus never told us to purchase the word of God. It's a free thing to all men. Like that would be, um, I don't know how to say it, but when you're, you know, when you're going about biblical interpretation, you really do have to be careful if you're going to say the sword doesn't mean the sword. Like you need a, a reason in the, the verse to take that word as meaning something different. Example, we know in the book of Hebrews that it does say, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Well, we know there that it's talking about the word of God. And we know that in the book of Revelation, in the imagery language that it uses, when Jesus comes back on the white horse and this army is following him and it says, out of his mouth goeth a two-edged sword, we know that that's sort of a biblical image language for the word of God. And that with this sword, he does judge and make war, this word of God. However, not every time the word sword is in the Bible does it mean the word of God. And the verse itself has to give you an indication to take it differently. If we just made it want to say whatever we wanted it to say, then we would have, you know, Joshua slaying people with pages of the Bible. And, you know, he killed thousands of people. No, the man, he, Joshua carried a sword. I mean, really, that's just cold, hard facts. And when Jesus tells them that, he's telling them to get a well, sword. Well, just the fact that they said, well, we already have two. Yeah, that yeah. Kinda, And they've been carrying them with them. That's kind of, to me, that's just kind of yeah, obvious. Yeah, so there, the, we, we can see through the whole rest of the chapter, they're talking about real metal, physical swords. But then also, a deeper understanding, I think you would realize, um, Jesus never told them to purchase 
the the word of God, like because they're saying, well, the sword could represent the word of God, and Jesus is telling them to go buy the word of God. But the word of God was never for sale; it was freely given to all men. It's kind of like what Peter said, you know, freely I receive, freely I give. Uh, the word of God was. It's free. It's still free. It's free to all men. You know, it's not, I mean, obviously you have to go and buy the actual pages of the book, but that's not what he was talking about. That's not even close. And so here's the, here's the thing. Why would Jesus say buy a sword? And, you know, too, also, I know I'm rambling, but, you know, these, these thoughts just keep coming to me. He's also telling them, take a wallet, be prepared is what I'm saying. Take money. Script is like money. He's telling them, take a coat, take money, and take a sword. Be prepared because I'm going to depart from this world or whatever the case may be. And so is he not giving them instruction to sort of be prepared for stuff like that? Well, I mean, if you're, those prepared are usually spared. Yeah. <laughs> You've been waiting all night to say that one, haven't you? <laughs> no, those actually prepared not. are usually spared. Man, it's, it's a, that's a good one. I'll have to remember that one. Well, I, don't, I definitely don't ever want to misquote Jesus or take him out of context. He wasn't telling him, go out and make war. Right? Yeah. So that's not what we're saying. He wasn't telling him, go out and you know, actually stab somebody. No. But we can't take away that he was, at that moment, for whatever reason, he was in, even if that was only for a one-night thing, because maybe I'm sending you to a dangerous area, and for this one night, I want you to take a wallet, a coat, and a sword. Either way, it still shows that he was okay with them having a weapon to defend themselves, even mm -hmm. if it was just for one night. Because of some maybe extra dangerous situation he was kind of going to put them into, it shows that he was okay with it. So, all right, I, let's not ramble on about that forever. Is there anything that we've missed on this? I know you had some other verses, too, that I thought were really good. I thought all of them that you sent was really good. We got, uh, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which, teach, which teacheth, teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Psalms 144, verse 1. That's King David, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And, again, you know. When, you know, there's so much we can say about that, but we know that God told Joshua to drive out these pagan uh, Amorites, Amalekites, Zamzamims, all these people out of this land of Israel, and he was going to give it to the children of Israel, and they killed every man, woman, and child there, and which really, those people were just getting what they deserved in a sense. They were, the capital punishment was being carried out upon them for all of the sins that they had committed and for how they had done, and so it wasn't like God was doing anything unjust, but still, God used men. And look, there's a verse that says, Saul killed his thousands, but David, David his is ten tens thousands. of thousands. Yeah, tens of thousands or ten thousands or whatever. And it's, it's basically sort of saying David was a mighty man. And, and even David had his mighty men of valor with 300 of them, and they went out and killed thousands, you know? And he's called a man after, oh, getting too passionate here. He's called a man after God's own heart. And God's not a murderer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you people that think self-defense is a murder, you need to be slapped a little bit, to be woke up here. Defend your family. Defend yourself. Don't kill anyone in cold blood, but that's self-defense is not cold-blooded murder. Well, here's another verse, 1 Timothy 5. Verse 8 says, But if any provide not for his, for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Worse than an yeah, infidel. Worse. But if you ask me, 
I mean, I think a lot of people would take that as, you know, food, clothing, shelter. Safety is right up there. Yeah. It's just as important as those things. And if you let somebody come into your house and harm your family and you stand there and say, I cannot hurt you, that's, I would hate to stand in front of God on judgment day and him say, why did you not defend your family? I mean, that would be a scary day. I give you, there's a shotgun in the closet. You got two <laughs> fists, you know how to fight. There's a butcher knife laying on the sink, but you just, you would. I mean, I have heard I stories, you, you know. Knuckles, four knuckles on each hand. I gave you the ability to, you know, I gave you the instinct to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And just to be honest, you know, I, 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 Katrina and I have 18, 18 kids. Lord have mercy. We have eight kids. And we've been married almost 15 years. And if my kids felt like, and my wife felt like, if somebody breaks in this house, you're all on your own because I'm not going to do anything about it. They would really lose a ton of respect for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just being honest. If my wife laid down in bed at night thinking, if somebody comes in here, I have to defend myself because Stephen is not going to do anything about it, she would lose a ton of respect for me. My kids know if you th if you even think somebody's on this property, you come and get me, and you hide behind me, and I'll do the I'll do everything I can. They're going to have to go through me to get to you, and y'all can rest in that. And the, and you know, honestly, the husband and the father and the family allegory that God has built into creation. The husband kind of plays this. The children learn about God through the father initially is all I'm saying. We are to be their protector. We know what they're thinking and we know what they need and we know what direction they need to go in and all that. And I'm not saying the father is, is you know, the human father is God in any way. But God did put things into the creation that we can learn about. I mean, Romans 1 actually tells us that that the invisible things of God are clearly seen in the creation. And one of those things is we know man is made in the image of God, and we know that the marriage, in a sense, was made in the image of God, and that the man is supposed to be the protector and all that. So long story short, man, it would take a real toll on my marriage, honestly, if my wife thought, you mean you're going to just lay there and do nothing? And I could say, well, you know, what if he's not going to hurt us? But you don't know that. At least get your stinking pistol ready and point mm -hmm. it at him and get him out of here as fast as you can. And if he turns to pull the trigger, you better put a cap in him. I guarantee that's what she would say. Anyways, what else you got? You you want to go? You want to go on with that one, or you want to move on to prepping, or what do you want to do? We can move on to prepping. I think we covered that pretty good. I know that there's a whole lot more that could be said about it, and you know. I'm not against sitting here going through the Bible and actually kind of looking at the underlying definitions and what does this Hebrew word mean and finding all of these examples there. But really, the truth is it's self-evident. A cursory reading of the scriptures, you will not find anywhere that God forbids a man to protect his own life. It's just not there, man. Now, I agree with something you said even before we started this podcast, and so we don't want to let this go unsaid. Before we move on, let's reiterate it's last resort. In our heart, we don't want to kill anyone. No, there's been times that I actually considered not carrying a gun just because I would hate to do that. But the, but when you really learn about what we've talked about tonight, it's like I got a responsibility to protect the people. I mean, I go out with my friends to town all the time. And in today's society, there's so many shootings everywhere. I don't feel comfortable not having a gun on me with a, a bunch, especially a bunch of teenage girls with me. Yeah, no way. 
Yeah, and you know, like there was. Do you remember that uh, shooting that happened in a church in Texas, like a couple years? Yes. Ago? That dude's a hero. The guy. I'm saying not not the no, shooter. Not the shooter. The 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 guy in church. Mm-hmm. He was a, a police officer or something. I don't even know. Well, they said was. a bunch of the guys in church had him. And they, the time when he started shooting and killing the people, to the time that the the church members there pulled their own guns was insanely fast. Yeah. Yeah, and that guy. Was a hero. He saved people's lives. Yeah, he did. And he could have saved his own life. And we don't. We don't know. But he was a hero, man. There, we don't look at that man and think, oh, "What a murdering sinner that guy mm-hmm. is." No, I've never thought that. I've thought, "Hey, that, that guy's a hero. He's got the courage to do it, and he had the the sense of morality to do it. He he wasn't cold blooded. It wasn't inhumane. It was truly to defend the well being of his own self and others. And he's a hero. Uh, all we're saying is, you know, if if I if there's an 18 year old boy breaks in my house, the only way and he's like not even armed or anything, and yeah, I kind of see, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my gun out and shoot that guy. Ain't, ain't no way. I may knock him out. <laughs> I may do that, but I'm not gonna. It's not my I'm, my go to thing is not oh take him out. No, that's not the case. But no, if you can honestly just scare him. Yeah, I know they say don't pull a gun unless you plan to shoot, but I don't agree with that all the way. I think if you if you, yeah, can, you get can get away with just you pull it out and they say it and they take off, that's 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 perfect. That honestly, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, avoid it at all costs. But when the costs don't allow you to, you you do what needs to be done because that's that's what we're made to do. Yeah, okay. That's our duty. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've covered that. What about prepping stone? You got any thoughts on prepping? I mean, well, there- I mean, there's so many people out there who. They take the what I just said. Those prepared are usually spared to a whole nother level of prepping, where they have like a million dollars worth of goods in an underground bunker, and backup plans to their backup plans to the backup plans. But in all honesty, I my mom says this all the time: is all that stuff could fall like this. That could, all those plans could just fail like that, especially if God allows it. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord. I mean, all that's, let's just be honest, all that prepping's doing, even if it pays off, it's kind of delaying your demise. Yeah, again, I think this is interesting. There's a kind of a heart issue there, you know, because... You're relying upon yourself. Yeah, well, like, if there's a, there's a, there's an amount of prepping that's okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's healthy. Yeah, then there's an, a, then there's a totally different approach to prepping that is, I'm going to save humanity, you know, mm-hmm. if me and my wife are the last ones alive, we'll live in a bunker till we're 60 if we have to, you know, we'll start the human rights over again. It's taken, it's sort of totally eliminating God from the equation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a evolutionary kind of mindset. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's actually a, a, a sort of mindset of God has abandoned us. The world's falling to pieces. It's on man to save himself. It's really does. There, there is that level. But like you said, there's also not that level because, you know, in a lot of ways, what we call prepping today, well, that was just everyday 17th century life. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all grew gardens and they had livestock. They had animals, chickens, whatever. They fished for food and they stored food in cellars to make it through the winter and stuff like that. They actually, I don't know if they were canning foods. Until the early 1800s. I'm not sure about that. But either way, they kind of lived with a continual six-month supply of food. But what you're talking about is something different. When they have a bunker and they really believe they're they're going to kind of go into hiding and not come out for two years or something and they have... um, (laughs) 
you know, two years, three years worth of food, and they have, you know, gold and silver coins stashed everywhere and 15,000 rounds of ammo or something like that. I honestly do think that has gone way too far. Because what you said is equally as important, but really more important. They have all of their emphasis on a fleshly preparedness and prepper and none on a spiritual preparation. Like, I don't see them putting 10 King James Version Bibles underground to preserve the Word of God mm-hmm. or memorizing uh, as many verses as they can and really feeling their, their cellar of their mind and the, the bunker of their mind, filling it with the and Word of God. getting more involved in church and getting yes. more involved in the yes. good godly things. No, they're like... Yeah, they become more and more isolated, mm-hmm. don't they? They separate themselves more and more and more, and they become even afraid of kind of the church because they're like, oh, well, I don't want these people at church knowing I got this bunker and I got all this food. And I got all... and so they kind of start becoming reclusive, and really what happens is they just sort of kill their power spiritually, what God could use them for in this world. Like, you know, being a witness, even perhaps being a martyr could be, to me, that's one of the most honorable, that, that is the most honorable death a man can die. But... I know everybody don't want to go that route, and that's fine, but at a time when the world needs the voice of truth and the word of God the most, we're going to just abandon them? And you hide know? And just hide? That, that doesn't make sense to me. However, I, I actually didn't intend on sitting here condemning prepping, you know, for the whole podcast. No, prepping is a good thing to right. some degree. Yeah, okay, so that's what I want to get to. Where, where would you kind of start to draw those lines, or how would you... <laughs> If you were commissioned by the church to put together sort of a prepper packet, a, a sort of guideline, a, a, a sort of be a coach to, to young people that's maybe going to take this up as a, a way of thinking, what would you say? I've never really been a prepper myself just because, I mean, I not even have my own house yet, so that kind of complicates things. But I think knowing how to, knowing at least basic top forest skills, gardening skills, just being able to, I mean, use a gun, stuff like that, that's good and healthy. But when, And even having a good amount of two or three weeks of food, basically at all times, I mean, like the gas shortage we had two weeks ago. I mean, yeah. you never know when we're not going to be able to drive anywhere for, or like the coronavirus, you go to Walmart when it first started, when COVID hit, and there's shelves empty of stuff. I mean, we could face that in our lifetime, another depression Top. Yes, yes, we sure could. Mm-hmm. So even, no one, even you know, even the tornadoes that we yeah, we, yeah, lived we through, didn't have yeah. power for nine days back in two thousand eleven. And, and, and even when the power started coming back on, there were so many people that were just sort of deprived of food and gas and everything that, that basically store shelves were depleted for th- two or three weeks after that. So that whole event was really like a month long. So yeah, keep going. Sorry, it's good to have just some basic skills on you can grab a hoe and some seeds and know how to plant something, know how to garden, know how to do a little basic hunting, which a lot of people don't even live in the country like we do, so it's, they can't even do a bunch of that. But And having a general plan of, hey, if the power grid goes out, this is where everybody's going to meet up. I mean, I think that's good, but I think people get so focused on this is what we have to do, and they forget God completely, and they don't even think about trusting him. I mean, Something so here's them. something I'm kind of picking up on what you're saying here. I think the general vibe that I'm getting from you, I think it's safe to say you're saying prepping for sort of natural disasters, uh, you know, 
tornadoes or even like gas shortages from terrorist hackers or whatever and or even disease like the covid stuff you're saying that's fine but prepping with the intention to go underground during tribulation that's not fine i just don't see how a christian can when the trouble hits can just say, all right, we're going underground for three years or seven years, however long they believe it's going to last, and we'll come back up when, when we get raptured or whatever. I, I don't understand. I mean, that's not, you're yeah. not, God cannot use you when you're underground sitting in the dark, probably not even reading the Bible because you can't see. You don't want to use your batteries up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I, I agree with, I really do agree. I've never dissected it that way to say prepping for sort of natural disasters that's kind of happening to all men equally this you know everybody in this country has suffered because of this well i don't even want to get into the covid thing but you know it's had an impact on everyone and the whole east coast suffered because of the gas thing but in the kind of prepping that you were saying and I'm, I'm going to get on board with you on that i didn't know exactly where we would come down we've never even talked about it together but i think the kind of prepping that we're saying is it's the wrong mindset is the kind of prepping of i'm going to avoid persecution by going into hiding and living off of all of my food stores and, you know, I'm not going to... Because if God, I mean, God may not even allow that. You could have is you could have more than anybody else in the world hidden and the best plans and God could just like that because hey, that's not his will for you. And then boom, you're out with nothing. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. And, you know, something too, just kind of a side note, but something I've always thought is the the time to... To shine as a Christian is during that time. Because you you know when this sort of great tribulation time frame begins, which, by the way, I do believe the church will be here through the, the days of the great tribulation. There's some that doesn't believe that. But either way, we all believe that even between now and then, we're going to go through some tribulation, right? It's kind of already started. It's already there, right? It's, it's not maybe... It's not... It's a snake that's got one coal around, so it's not squeezing the life out of us. But yet. we but live in America. We don't live yeah. in North Korea or China or, or something. Or China or something. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the world that's just totally constricted up by it right now. And so, But either way, uh, to me, that's like the time to shine for the Christian. I mean, you know when those days come upon you that the world is it's coming to a close just as Jesus said that it would, and he's coming back soon just like he said he would. And this is the time for you to say, you know what, hey, Stone, we probably only got five years left to live. This whole world's coming to an end in five, six, maybe even ten years. Hey, let's quit being so consumed with worldly stuff. And go many... shine a yes, lot for God. What and, what, and what, I mean, there's no telling what God could do through you, even if you die a martyr. I mean, there's no telling where you could go yeah, spiritually. really. And yeah, really. And it to me, and I've talked to my wife about this. It's like if we knew for a fact that we were in this sort of last days of great tribulation, and there's only maybe four or five or seven or even ten years left of the world, and it's really going to end. That's almost setting us free to witness for Christ like we never have before. Because we don't have we don't have the next forty years to yes, be. Yes, exactly. To we're not work trying. Around. Exactly, man. 
It, really, I mean, I, I get excited about it. I hope. I'll just say this. If it's going to happen during my lifetime, I hope it happens while I'm still young enough and strong enough to go out there and preach on the streets and hold a sign up that says, Jesus is coming. The Bible is true, and it's told us that this is going to happen for 2,000 years. Please repent now. Turn to, to God, you know. And if I'm spit on or whatever the case may be, or even if I'm killed right there, cold blood in the street, that's fine. I was going to die in just a couple of years anyway. And that, yeah, <laughs> there's was no greater honor. Anyway. Yes, it's an amazing honor. And so I really do believe that if there's Christians out there that have this, I'm going to go underground and hide mentality. Now, and I have kids, and so believe me, I know that it's tough. And there's certainly one of the greatest tests of faith and is going to come. And I don't want to speak, you know, just like frivolously like it doesn't I don't think about these things I do I think about them and I care and I don't know all the answers I'm just saying uh I do believe that it it's it's this sort of a wrong mindset to have this idea of we're going to hide from antichrist you know and when what you've said you've said it like three times I just hadn't commented on it but you're right if it's not God's will uh you'll be like the dude in Luke chapter 12 or chapter 16 that had this great harvest. And so he tears down his old barns and builds new barns to store all of his goods. And he says to himself, oh, self, you know, oh, he says, oh, my soul shall rest at ease. I have so much goods yeah. laid up for so many days. And he says, thou fool, or the word of God says, thou fool, thou, thou, thy soul shall be required of thee tonight. Well, let, this me, night. let me go back real quick and say, we do believe in preparing, but more of, not going overboard, is how I'll say it. Don't go overboard. It's good to learn skills with your hands. Learn how to live off the land to a certain degree. Learn how to defend yourself. Learn how to forage, but don't get carried away with it. And another thing, we've kind of been, it seems like we've kind of been referring more to Christian preppers. But for all the non-Christian preppers out there, all they're doing is prolonging their demise. Prolonging their misery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're... They're even more foolish because they're thinking they're going to hide from the ultimate judgment of God, really. You know, they're thinking they're, the Christian is thinking he can hide from man, which he may actually pull off very few. But now but with the, the technology a yeah, lot that's, of men has, it's, 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 it's almost impossible. You probably impossible, will not yeah. be able to, but the other guy that thinks he's going to hide from God, is not that, that one is definitely, you're right. And, and something you said, too, I think that's why we call it preppers. Preparedness... <laughs> That's perfectly right. That's fine. It's, it's even like the self-defense thing. It's you carry a pistol. That's preparedness. Preppers, that term, carries with it the connotation of that is the main feature of their life. That's where their whole that's that's what they're thinking about they're all the time. They're consumed with they're it. They're consumed with it. They're studying on it. They're putting all of their investment into it, all of their time into it. They're even trying to get everybody else to get involved in this. So when we say prepper, we're not talking about people that like to be prepared. We're talking about people that are consumed. Just watch that show about the... Uh, yeah, it's a movement that has swept the whole country. You know, the, the Preppers movement or whatever. I don't know. Sorry, yeah. what shows are you talking about? Though? I think it's called Doomsday Preppers. Just yeah, go watch that thought. show and you'll see how consumed people are, people are with it. And you hardly ever, or if ever, hear when I'm talking about the Bible. It's always... I yeah, got three yeah. school buses buried underground with 50 gallons of... 50-gallon buckets of corn and wheat. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's like, man, I don't even, like, if I knew 
I was going to have to live underground in a Why not just go out and live for the Lord? Get And then even if you die, once yeah. it's over, you're in the most beautiful place that we yeah. can't even imagine. I mean, yeah. why trade that for a school bus yeah, underground? Yeah, died and lifted up his eyes in heaven. He was carried by the angels. I mean, that's what happens to the Christian. When he dies, it's an immediate, you're from here to there, and your spirit is with God in heaven, and, and then we get glorified bodies. And yeah, I mean, why should any Christian fear death? What I was actually going to say is let's even pretend for a minute, Stone, that we believe the world would last another thousand years. And let's... Let's pretend that this Yellowstone volcano or something was something to be afraid of. And and everybody was going to have to live underground for 10 years. Even then, I wouldn't want to live underground in a closed room for 10 years. You're talking about basically putting yourself in prison, not seeing the light of day for 10 years. I, I, I even think if it was just a stinking volcano blowing up, I'd be like, well, I'm going to take my chances living on the surface uh, yeah, I'm just of the earth. You enjoy know? while it lasts. Yeah. Because- if it takes me out, it takes me out. If I survive on the surface, I survive on the surface. But to me, I, I can't stand the thought of living literally in a cave underground. For I was 10 just thinking today years. about living in a submarine. Oh, mercy. And just, it just that gives me the creeps. I'm, I would just rather yeah, yeah, just stay you know, above truly, ground, the, even if you're risking it. And think about like the space station stuff, you know? So there's people that's like on a space station for two or three years. They literally almost go insane. They have to cycle these people out as often. And they are as prepared as a person can possibly be. I mean, they have functioning bathrooms and electricity by solar power and food and all of this kind of stuff and even communication. But they almost go insane in that type of isolated environment. But okay. I agree with you, man. I think that actually turned out to be better than what I thought it would, that discussion. Because there is a distinction between preparedness and a prepper mindset. And so that brings me to the last thing we was going to talk about. How long have we been talking, by the way? Can you see? No, but I think we can go a few If more it cuts minutes. us off, that's fine. We'll just, wherever it cuts us off. We can edit oh, it I out can or... see it here. 49 minutes. Okay, good. That's so not we, too bad, yeah, yeah. We still have 15 minutes if we want to take the whole thing. What do you think, as a Christian, we've really kind of been touching on it the whole time. Um, well, first of all, what would be your greatest fear to face during the days of great tribulation? My greatest fear would be to watch someone I love be hurt. That's uh, not me. I'm not worried about that. Just someone else. Yeah, that's mine too. I can't, I, I, you know, my, my children having to be, you know, if I'm free enough to be able to move my body, I'm going to do everything I can to protect them. But I do. It, now, that's another thing back on the self-defense issue. I believe even if the people who are coming to persecute you, if they're going to hurt your family, even if they are, you're being persecuted for your faith, if, whereas for me, I would lay the guns down. If they're coming to hurt my family, or even in my case, my friends are my family. We basically siblings. I think in that case, it's okay once again to pick up the gun and basically go out in a blaze of glory because I would rather die knowing I fought with everything to protect the people I love because I'm not doing it for me. Yeah, I'm not, if, I'm yeah, not worried about me. If it's really coming from a, a love, yeah, I don't think that you're wrong with that. You know. And I, I, what I was thinking is, yes, if I could see them coming, I would be weighing out in my mind what is my optimum chances of survival for everyone. If it's three people and I think they're they're coming to take us, no matter what, can I if, can I take out the three? But if it's like fifteen, I'm gonna be like everybody out the back door now. Get you know we're, we're we'll we'll run. You know whatever gives us the best chance of survival, that's probably the option that I'm gonna take when the day comes and I'm faced with it. 
So for me, kind of my worst fear is like, though, let's say we do. We're all running out the back door because there's like, you know, an impossible army coming at us or something. And maybe they like shoot me, but I'm only handicapped. Basically, I can't do anything. And then I, in my inability to even move or whatever, they take my family. That, I, you know, I don't yeah. even want to think about it right now or I'll cry. That and that one is the one that works on me big Where time. Where you, you're basically just sitting there helpless and you can't do I'm nothing. helpless. I'm conscious. I'm alive. I'm helpless. Maybe, you know, I don't know. There's a million different, you know, terrible scenarios that can go through your mind. But I'm laying there and I'm seeing my kids running and screaming and I'm seeing these soldiers of the of the devil is all I'm going to call them at that time. I don't know what they'll be like. I don't know. Will this be American soldiers or Iran or what? I don't know. It's not about that. It's just about someone coming and taking my wife and my children and me knowing that they're about to suffer. And I'm literally handicapped here. And that's why I almost want to take the approach of I'm not going to run out the back door. I'm going to shoot down as many as I can if that's what's going so to happen. So that way they'll you know? say they're shooting, lot that house up, no Yeah, just surviving. kill us all. Exactly. Because honestly, I hate thinking about it, but them, your family and you dying or whoever, them, the people dying in the house, it's probably a lot better than what's going to happen to them once they oh, get out. Oh, definitely. I really believe that, man. I really do. I, I, I have prayed and I will continue to pray. And my wife has prayed, Lord, we are more than happy to die for you, but take us all at one time. I mean, really, send a bomb. That's fine. Take out, if, if people in North Alabama is going to have to live to see the days of tribulation, send a bomb and just take us all, all at one All of me, you, all of us, your family. My, take yeah, us I have all actually thought about yeah, that, that, that. That would be fine with me. If I seen the bomb coming, I'm not going to run. No, I'm not. I might I'm run say. to it. I'm standing under it, but I'm not going to run. I'm just going to be like, thank you, Lord. That's a prayer answered. We're more than happy to die for you, Jesus. I'm more than happy to die for my Savior, man. He died for me. And, and I, that's, I mean, and he's not even asking me to die for him in that sense, but I'm willing to. Maybe it can happen that way. I don't know. So that's our greatest fear. What do you think, though, is sort of, what if it doesn't actually get that bad, like here, but you find out that there's a whole ton of christian persecution and stuff going on maybe in like new york okay and you're single what do you think about going and and maybe trying to get some people out of there or do you i mean do you think there's going to be any sort of opportunity for some like local heroics kind of like have you ever read the diary of anne frank or have you heard about that i have read that book a long time ago yeah so it's i don't really remember a bunch of it did they, didn't they? Did they hide? They people? basically hid this little Jewish girl and, and and her mom and dad, or maybe just her mom. I don't remember in an attic, uh, knowing that if they were ever discovered, the Nazis was going to just kill them all. Um, but they didn't believe. You know, I don't. I don't remember the entire story very well. It's been at least twenty five years since I even went through the uh, learning about it. But really, I'm just thinking, what if? What if the tribulation, it is terrible, but it's just, it's sort of pockets that move around and it's not sudden global control. Maybe there, what if there's a chance for you to go and sort of, well, okay, so we're thinking we've only got, you know, five to seven years left to live anyways, and it's not happening here. Maybe you run into the heat of the battle. I don't know. You know, maybe you do go and save some people or try and help or whatever. I don't know. What I mean, have you ever I mean, thought? I can really, I've never even thought about that ever, but I could really see that kind of, well, I can see the flesh saying, no, you haven't made here. You're not having to go stay here. Yeah. And, I, and I can see that really being a temptation because who wants to go into tribulation for no reason? But at the same time, when you're looking at 
that few of years, I mean, in general, only 80 years is not that. It's like the older I get. I'm only 20, but they're just, the days are just flying by now. I'm like, dang, gum. Yeah. You know, I, I bring it up because uh, my wife and I have talked about it. If, if, if things hold together good enough and all that and our kids are grown and married or whatever and it's just me and her, um, we're going to do all that we can to be out there and active in it. And helping anyone that we can help. And, me, you know, me, one of my greatest sort of hopes, secret wishes, is that during the time of tribulation that I can walk up to a man and tell him the truth of the world and sin and that he gets saved. I mean, really, you know, that that man says. That you can just see it clicking him. Yes, you can see it. The light goes off, and he realizes we're in the last of the last days, and I, you know, I don't, I want to be saved. I see what you're saying, preacher man. This world's completely given over to sin. Our days are numbered, and I've lived my whole life for the devil. I just, I think it would be so awesome, man, because you may not be able to save anybody's life physically. You may not be able to do the whole Anne Frank thing, but if you can go out there and. Because you're going to be able to preach like you've never preached before because you know you're laying your life on the line. It's going to come with a passion and a sort of freedom. Like Elijah, you know, this man sent by God, he forsook house and home and everything. And so when he lays it on the line, boy, he's laying it on the line and he's pleading with the people. I think that will be happening. And I just, it would be amazing to me. It would, have, it would almost make my entire life have been worth living if I was able to see that happen. And because we know when we're going to get to heaven, we'll meet that person too. And I, re- I don't know what kind of memory will be there or whatever, but I know that Paul himself says that the people that were saved because of his preaching is part of his reward in heaven. Like him, like, you know, him getting to see those people and remembering, oh, man, I witnessed it. Oh, he made it. Oh, he was, he's a believer. You know what I'm saying? That to me, that would be huge. We'll close it. I want. You, I do want you to say something else if you want to. But doesn't that kind of? It's interesting. That connects back to the prepper thing too. That's kind of what we're saying. Is like, it's a mentality. It's all about the mentality. The the what I'm saying is the Christian in the tribulation. We don't hide. We want. We'd rather be a witness. Because, in the end, God is the only one who can get you through this anyway. Only one. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we didn't come across as you know. There's faith is going to be what gets us all the way through, no matter what. This, and who knows how we'll really react when the hard situations hit. But yes, prepare spiritually, and you'll if you really prepare how you should, and really get in the Bible and read, and you really are praying and seeking God. When it hits, you'll react how you should because you'll know God's character, and that's kind of it's kind of like when you hang out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people. You know, you start acting like them a little bit. You hang out with good people. You, when you get draw close to Jesus, I would say his character and personality almost rubs off on you. Yeah, sure enough, man. And I would also say as an encouragement, for maybe if you really want to do something to prepare both body and soul, find a really good church. Get in it and stay in it and find a really good friend in that church that is sincere about their faith and really wants to please God and live according to the word of God and become a, a close friends. Uh, because that's one of the greatest things that's going to help all of us get through is knowing we got friends and, and you know people praying for us and other people to care about and a reason to continue to wake up and go on and all this kind of stuff and you know someone to go through the Bible with or whatever you know I think that's God gave us a church to, to be a blessing for us I, I I know that that's a fact well we've talked about an hour I appreciate your time Stone you have anything to say 
No, I think we about covered everything pretty good tonight. All right. Well, we'll see you next episode.